I feel brave tonight. I'm about over my fear. So I'm going to start the forbidden. I'm going to preach or start a sermon that I know good and well that I'm not going to be able to finish tonight. So I'll probably give you one dose of it tonight. And then tomorrow night, I'll give you the second dose. If I still feel tomorrow night like I do tonight. But you're not tying me down. I may not get but a fourth of the way tonight, but if I feel something different tomorrow night, I'll go different. I've been with Brother Timothy Cree long enough to know that you just don't do things like you plan them. Proverbs chapter 30. And believe you me, I did not plan to preach this when I came to church tonight. In fact, I already had two other sermons with the scriptures written down, waiting to decide which way to go on that, ready to give them to Brother Creel. And lo and behold, I'm not going to use either one of those. So here we go. Are you brave enough to tackle it with me? <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 18. The wise man said, There be three things which are too wonderful for me. Yea, four, <clears throat> which I know not. Number one, the way of an eagle in the air. The way of a serpent upon a rock. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. And the way of a man with a maid. Solomon used these proverbs. I'm not sure that he hatched this one out, but he used it. And usually when a man uses something, he is using something somebody else said to express the feelings of his heart. When I first came across this scripture and began to study into it, and, and it was actually one of the most interesting studies that I've ever made. He said there are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yea, four which I know not. Now, now get this, here is supposedly the wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus. We, we all, I think, would pretty well say amen to that. And when I came across this, I thought, well, now, I just don't understand that. He said there are three things too wonderful for him, four which he don't know. The way of an eagle in the air. Well, you know, it doesn't take a real smart man to know about the eagle in the air. Are you with me? 
Then he said, I don't understand or know about the way of a serpent upon a rock. Well, now, for the wisest man that ever lived, I don't think that ought to be too tough. Do you? Then he said, I just don't know and I don't understand the way of a ship in the midst of the sea. That's not bad, is it? I believe if me and Brother Creel got our heads together, we could figure out something about a ship in the midst of the sea. We may not could do it separate, but we could together. And then, Brother Tenney, this last one really just kind of blew my mind. He said, I don't understand the way of a man with a maid. That looks like a man with 700 wives and 300 concubines ought to know a little something about that. <laughs> of course, anybody would take on that many, he's... You know, kind of. <laughs> but anyway. So I, I got to studying into it and I said, there must be something in there that's deeper than just what meets the eye. And then I heard Brother David Gray talk about this one year for a little while at the general conference. And then it dawned on me, Brother Gidrose, could it be possible that the Lord was using this in a prophetic manner to talk to us about the church? About the church. About the church. And by the grace of God, that's what I'm going to do for the next two nights. You see, the reason he said it's too wonderful for me and I don't know it is because there is no way. And my little grandson says it like this. No way, Jose. He's two years old. He's smart like his grandpa. But there is absolutely no way that a person can grasp the workings of the church until they get in the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, I don't blame the outside world for walking into a Pentecostal service and thinking we're all a bunch of idiots. If y'all knew just how stupid y'all look tonight. Grown men, grown women, acting like a bunch of full-grown idiots. Jumping around, screaming and hollering. 
running over each other. Glory. No wonder they walk off and say, my God, what's the matter with that bunch? But oh, once you get in, and once you feel that tingling coming in the end of your fingers, and running down through your body, then you begin to understand, hey, this is real. This is not foolishness. This is not idiocy. This is real. It's genuine. It's powerful. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Boy, if you thought I was wild last night, I'm feeling worse tonight. Hallelujah to God. Glory. I used to see people at the church down in Oakdale where I was raised, and they'd get up and talk about how wonderful it was to live for God, and they'd be squalling like a baby. How happy they were. The Holy Ghost is so wonderful. I just couldn't grasp that. If it's so good, why are you squalling about it? But oh, when I got it. Hallelujah. And on this old campground tonight, glory to God. I don't know whether to cry or shout. I don't know whether to run or jump. I don't know whether to laugh or squall. Oh, Brother Tenny, it's real. It's real. But you don't understand it until you get in it. Isn't it amazing that the wisest man in the world said, I can't grasp it. And a bunch of us, one God, Jesus' name, holy rolling tongue talkers, we know what it's all about. Glory. Brother Glass, why don't you just get up right where you are and say, praise the Lord. Who would like to join him? Who would like to join him? to study this eagle. Now, Brother Price 
kind of preaches while he teaches. So maybe I could kind of teach while I'm preaching. I was in my office one day and I, I, I ran across that scripture where it said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And, and all of a sudden it dawned on me there must be something in there that I've been missing. So I walked over to the encyclopedias and I got down an encyclopedia and I began to study the eagle. Now I don't read encyclopedias very much. I got a whole bunch of stuff on my bookshelves. One fellow walked in one day and said, Brother Johnson, have you read all these books? I said, why no? Don't ever intend to. He said, well, what you got them for? I said, if I wouldn't have none, y'all would think I was dumb. I didn't have any sense. But I got all that stuff up there and everybody thinks I'm smart until they hear me preaching. <laughs> but the first thing that I ran into, Brother Gidrow, I found out that the eagle was kin to the buzzards. Now, I was ready to put those encyclopedias up because if they didn't have any more sense than that, there wasn't no use in me reading them. They think that an eagle is kin to the buzzards. Glory. Hallelujah. You know, that's kind of hard to grasp, isn't it? That an eagle is kin to the buzzards. Now you just think about it. You see, when I think of the eagle, I think of the king of the air. I think of that majestic eagle flying where no other birds can fly. When I think of the buzzard, I think of a dirty, filthy, rotten, stinking bird eating rotten armadillos by the side of the road. And there is no way, Jose, that I can connect the eagle with the buzzard. I just, you see, God made them, and, and maybe they are kin. The encyclopedia said it was. But when he got to that eagle, he pulled that eagle out and elevated it into a realm, and then man got a hold of it and pushed it a little higher, and it has become so separated from the buzzard that you can't put them in the same class anymore. Uh, you see, we're all come from the same mud. We was all just a bunch of spiritual buzzards. Dirty, filthy, and unclean. But when God got ready for his church, he pulled out a species of the buzzard family and said, hey, I'm going to take it and pull it out and elevate it and put it on a plane.
Several years ago, I was preaching a meeting in Flint, Michigan. My wife and I were staying in a Holiday Inn motel. One day, she had one of her Pentecostal ladies' days. Hmm. That's the day that they take their hair down. <laughs> and then they scratch it real good. <laughs> and you hear them ooing and aahing all over the house. Ooh, that feels good. Ah, oh, that's great. And then they brush it out and they look wild. <laughs> and then they wash it. And then they half dry it. And then they wet it a little more and roll it. And they leave it up for a while and take it down again. Boy, it takes something to live with these Pentecostal women. You say, well, that's why I don't want to be Pentecostal, because you have to wear your hair long. Yeah, but dear Jesus, in heaven and earth, when they get it up, think of the mileage they get out of it. Huh. Sometime they get a week out of it. You ladies that's got short hair, you have to brush yours all the time. And you that let yours hang stringing down your back, you're going to go stone blind if you don't do something about it. Getting in your eyes all the time. Just dropping little words of wisdom along, you know. So while she was fixing her hair in front of the mirror, I kind of got a stereophonic view of her. <laughs> I was lying on the bed behind her, and she was sitting at the mirror, so I could look in the mirror and see her face, and I could look at the back of her head, and, and I was kind of getting a, a stereophonic view. So while I was... Lying on the bed or laying on the bed, whichever you do. I decided that I was going to do a little change in her. So in my mind, everybody say, in his mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, did you hear him? He said, in his mind. I want you to get that. Put this on tape and don't you never erase not even one minute, much less 18. In my mind, I give her one of the best haircuts you have ever seen. In my mind. I also frizzed it up. Yeah. 
I'm not sure I might have tried to change its color. You know, it's not wrong to color your hair if you color it the right color. That's modern opinion, not mine. But anyway, here we go. While I was fixing her up, I decided to put some gook on her eyes. You know, that used to be wrong, too. You know, it's amazing how you can do wrong so long until it becomes right. So they say. I didn't say it. And then I tried to fill up what few wrinkles she had with some pancake dough. I've eaten it all my life. If you'll eat it, you won't have wrinkles. Look at me and Brother Creo. We ain't got a one. Brother Tenny hadn't got any either. He's not wearing them. He ate them. But I was fixing my wife up in my mind. I put some jewelry on her. I hung the prettiest necklace around her neck. That used to be wrong. some things in her ears you know it's amazing how it's wrong to hang them on your ears but you can put them on your sleeves So I guess it's not what you wear, it's just where you wear it. <laughs> but you know my problem was, Brother Tenney, couldn't even fathom that. You see, I've never seen her with her hair cut. I've never seen her with makeup on her face. I've never seen her with a necklace around her neck. I've never seen her with earbobs in her ears. Because you see, when she was just a little girl, God took her out of the buzzard family and made an eagle out of her. And I can't identify her. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I can't imagine that lofty eagle looking down and saying, I think I'm going down and eat rotten armadillo with my cousin today. I want to go down there and look like him and be like him and smell like him. I'm just going, oh no, that eagle don't want to mess with that buzzard. And I'm going to tell you something else. I don't understand a Holy Ghost filled child of God that wants to identify with the world hallelujah I don't want to look like him I don't want to talk like him I don't want to walk like him like a child of God Holy. Hey, y'all are helping me here tonight. You like this kind of preaching. All right. Let me talk about this buzzard a little more. I think I got a short in this one. They don't make these things like they used to. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's see, that's one down. I got six to go. I'll get the rest of them before this thing's over. Brother Mangan told me how to do it. Run it down my shirt collar, vest, or something other, and run it out the back end and wrap my pocket around. I mean, wrap it through my pocket and all that. But, Brother Mangan, if I did that, I'd get so tied down, I'd feel like I was in jail out. So I'll just tear up the microphones, and if y'all bill me, I'll pay it. They're kin to the buzzards, but they don't identify with them. Hallelujah. Hey, young men, does your pastor wear his hair over his shot collar? Does your pastor wear his hair hanging down over his ears? Where did you get that style? You didn't get it. From the man of God, you got it from the buzzard family in the world. Girls, where did you get your hairstyle? Where did you get it? Did you get it from your pastor's wife? Did you get it from some of these faithful saints of God that knows how to pray and fast and care burden? No, you got it from Hollywood. Let's leave that alone and identify with the egos. don't build their nest on the ground and you know that 
When the eagle builds a nest, they fly high. They go to the peak and they build their nest there. Amen. Preachers, stand up and holler, Amen. Where are you building the nest with your church? Where are you building the nest with your church? Oh God, we can build it so close to the world. Oh God. That eagle flies to the highest peak. The blackbirds don't fly there. Amen. The mockingbirds can't go there. The sparrows and the crows can't go there. So brother, when that are some eggs in that nest, you can rest assured they're not hen eggs. They're going to be eagle eggs. And when they hatch out, every last one of them is going to be eagles. Pastor, when you build your nest close to the world, ever fowl is going to come lay eggs in your nest. And when you hatch them out, God only knows what's going to pick out of that shell. I'm going to tell you something. You'll never make an eagle out of a blackbird. You'll never make an eagle out of a sparrow. Get it up there to where only the eagles can lay the eggs and only the eggs will hatch and they will be eagles. Brother, when I came into church in Oakdale, they didn't mold that church to fit me. They didn't make a bunch of rules and regulations, Brother Gidrose, uh, to keep from offending me. They said, hey, you hatched out in the eagle's nest. You're not going to cluck around like a biddy. You're going to be like an eagle. So you line up to this. I walked across this campground one year. Wasn't like it is now. We was going to the dining hall, me and Brother Creel and maybe two or three more boys. We had our sleeves rolled up like this. Now, everybody listen. I don't think that's sin. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? All right, talk back to me a little bit. I don't think that's sin. We was walking across the campground with our sleeves rolled up like that. 
One of the old timey preachers walked by us. All he said was, boys, you'd look more like preachers if you'd put your sleeves down. Bless God, who does he think he is tell me what to do? If I don't wear my sleeves rolled up, I think I'll just roll them on up. Glory. If you think I did that, you're squirrely. That means you nutty. No, friend. Just as soon as we could slap those things down, we slapped them down and buttoned them up. We wanted to look like a preacher. If we was going to be a preacher, we wanted to look like one. And if it took that to make me look like one, I'd do it that way. Glory. Give me one of your shoes. Give me the right one. Glory. He's got a brown shoe. I got a black one. If it took, now don't go crazy now. If it took wearing a brown shoe and a black one to identify with the children of God, I'd wear a brown one and a black one. Hallelujah. 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 I want to be an eagle. I want to be an eagle. I want to be an eagle. It's your fault. Yes, sir. You started this today. Got me all stirred up. I was planning on being nice. You done fouled up everything. Glory. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. Our people want to be children of God. They just waiting for us preachers to get up and draw some lines and saying, hey, this is the way we want it to be. you when you let down on your standards to meet their needs did you know there is a scripture in the Bible now you explain it away if you want to but there's still a verse of Scripture that says, Love not the world. 
neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There is another scripture that says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. There is another one that said, Give no place to the devil. There is another one that said, Shun the very appearance of evil. Be an eagle. Get in the sky and let's fly with you. Let me tell you something else about these eagles. I got a whole sermon that I preach on just the eagle, but I got to get to the snake before tonight's over. And when I found this in that encyclopedia, Brother Mangan, I like to have a run and fit. That encyclopedia said that most birds, the mama bird takes care of them. But with the eagles, the daddy bird and the mama bird takes care of them. Has there anybody got their shouting shoes on? You see, when I got a problem, my mama, the church, is ready to take care of me. Friend, I've been down. I've been to where I couldn't walk. I've been flat on my back. But you, my mama, the church of the firstborn, helped me and stood by my side. But when it got too rough and you couldn't handle it all, my daddy, <laughs> my father, Looked down and said, Mama can't do it all, so I'll help him and I'll come down there and Mama and the Daddy will take care of it. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yes, Eagles refuse. To live in a storm. Did you get it? I said they refuse to live in a storm. They may go through one, but they won't live in one. God pictured his church like an eagle in the air. Not sitting on the ground, not sitting on a stump, but an eagle in the air. And friend... When that storm comes, that eagle don't have to live in it. All she has to do is spread her wings and flap them a few times, and she rises above the storm. Is Brother Clark Lott here? He was here last night. Is he here? I'm going to talk about him a little bit tonight. Where is he? All right, there he is, right over yonder. Stand up and say, preach, Brother Johnson. 
When I was pastoring in Bay City, Texas, and he was in Houston, of course, he's still there. Some preachers can stay at a place a long time. Others stays for a while, and they get their belly full of him, and he's got to go. So I'm gone. <laughs> but anyway, while I was at Houston or Bay City, I had to go preach somewhere, and I couldn't make commercial connections. And Brother Lot flies an airplane. He's trying to get a head start on us in the rapture. But he kept after me. Brother Johnson, you need to learn to fly. This is fun. This is fun, man. There's nothing like just getting up in that air and zoring around. Oh, man, it's fun. So I had to go somewhere, and I couldn't make commercial connections. So I called Brother Lot, and uh, he said, yeah. I said, I'll take you. So I never did find out why he didn't pay for the plane. You know, if he's so anxious to fly me, it looked like he'd have paid for the plane, but he didn't. I had to do that. But it was kind of bad weather that day. In fact, they didn't want to let us off the ground, but he talked to that control tower out in that field there and said, this man needs to be in Paris, Texas, and, and I need to take him up. And so they finally let us get off the ground. I'm scared to death of the big ones, and I'm scared to death twice of the little ones. But, but he got me up in that thing, and, and that little old plane got to jaw. And all that I had had for about three weeks began to churn just like buttermilk, you know. And after a while, when I was getting pale in the face and green around the gills and just about to, to die, I thought. I looked at him and I said, Brother Lot, is this fun? He said, well, it is kind of rough today. <laughs> yeah, Brother Mangan said there. Somebody said they keep bags, but they get the time you can't hit the bag. <laughs> And after a while, he saw how. Why? This is an airplane. He said, Yeah, but said, I just don't have the power. A few days later, I got on a plane. In Houston, the weather was worse than that. And that old big plane run down that runway. The wind was blowing and the storm was on, but you couldn't hardly even tell it. That old thing just took off and sailed through it. And in just a few minutes, we was up where the sun was shining. Friend of mine, you don't have to live in a storm. You got the power. You got the wings of an eagle that you can take those wings and flap them a few times and you're out of the storm into the sunshine. I gotta do it. If I don't get the snake tonight, I'll have to stay on this same thing till Friday night. So let me get the snake tonight, would you? All right. The Bible said that it's like a serpent 
on the rock. Everybody say on the rock. Turn to your neighbor and punch him real good and say, he said on the rock. Glory. Brother Barnes, are you still awake? Great. Brother Barnes told me they said you did real good last night. Said I didn't even go to sleep. Serpent. Now when I got to this one, Brother Gidrose, that's hard for me to picture the serpent as a church. But it is. I'll get to that about 10, 30, quarter to 11. All right. Now, what about the serpent on the rock? An old Westerner told Brother David Gray when he questioned him about the serpent on the rock, he said that was referring to the snake that's a cold-blooded animal. I guess it's an animal. Is a snake an animal? Reptile. Reptile. Okay, it's cold-blooded. It don't have hot blood. So that reptile comes out of his hibernation, crawls upon the rock. The sun comes down and hits his back and the rest of the rock warms the rock up and that heats his belly and the sun hits his back. And after a while he gets his blood warm and then he can start moving pretty good. Mm. 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 Hey, there's something in there, and it's starting to get good now. You ever wondered why some people ain't moving too much? Could be that they've been in hibernation too long. Amen. You see, the Bible said that Israel all drank of that rock. And that rock followed them. And that rock was Christ. Now you take the church off the rock and you got problems. See, the Bible didn't just say that it was like a snake. Said it was like a snake on the rock. You take a rock away and all you got is a snake in the grass. You take the rock away from me and you and we're just a bunch of snakes in the grass. But oh, when you put us on that rock, Christ Jesus and the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in its wings. And we stay on that rock. It begins to warm us. 
and I wiggle out of there. And it's hard. You see, some of y'all come to this camp meeting and you had been through so many trials. You had been through so many tests. And the devil had fought you in every way under the sun. He had lied to you so many times. And you believed him until you came cold. And I watched you. Some of you was kind of struggling for a little while. In fact, some of you still wiggling pretty slow. Hallelujah. But you're getting in touch with that rock. So you finally strain and you wiggle until you get on it. <laughs> and the sun is shining in Tioga, Louisiana. It's coming down on this tabernacle. And we're standing on the rock. 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 Jesus is a 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 rock. And you start getting warm. And you get warm. And the sun of righteousness shines on you. It's not long till you run in the aisles and jump in benches because you got your blood hot. You got your spiritual blood hot. Now, I'm not through with this snake. I found out that this snake does not hear like we hear. You know, we got these things on the side of our head, these kind of mud flap deals, you know. <laughs> Sound comes by, it hits that flap. Come here, brother, brother Yaden. You might as well get broke into Louisiana good. So I say something and it leaves and chew, pow, and it hits that. And then it ricochets and goes inside there. And it hits that eardrum and it starts vibrating. And then I don't know what happens then, but anyhow, you hear. Y'all didn't really know I was that smart. I am amazing this whole congregation with my intelligence. Go sit down, you. <laughs> he had the funniest look in his face when I said that. That's how you hear. But the snake don't hear like that. Now, I've never examined one. I, I've taken the encyclopedia's word for it. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> 
Somebody said, I'm, I'm afraid of three kinds of snake, and that's a live one and a dead one and a stick that looks like one. I don't know, Brother Foss, what kind of ears I got, but you, you can tell me after church. But the encyclopedia said that they don't hear with the sound waves that runs that sound by. You know how they hear? They hear by the vibrations that comes through the rock upon which they are lying. You see, if they would get off of that rock and down in the grass, a grasshopper jumping from one blade of grass to another would send vibrations, and that poor old snake would get so confused, he wouldn't know what to do. So for the best results, he gets up on the rock, and he gets vibrations through the rock. Are y'all still with me? That's why some of you are so confused. Because you're living in the grass. You won't really get in the church wholehearted. You won't really get on the rock and get established. You won't really get in and listen to the teaching of the Word of God. Some of you have got some preconceived ideas of how you're going to live for God. I want to tell you something, folks. They've been folks that's tried all down through the years to live in the grass and the rock too, but it just don't work that way. You can't live in the grass and home on the rock. You can't do it. You lay down in the grass and every little old thing that comes along, you'll get so confused, you'll be vibration on every side. You'll get the vibrations of the charismatics and you'll get confused. How can God be doing all those miracles over there and so many people getting the Holy Ghost and, and them dressing like they want to and acting like they want to, don't believe in one God, don't believe in Jesus' name. First thing you know, you're totally confused. You look around and see somebody shouting, and you know good and well they ain't living for God. You're laying in the grass yourself, and you get all confused. How can they shout like that? I'm going to tell you what. It's a shame they have to. If there'd be enough of you Holy Ghost-filled children of God on your feet, they wouldn't have room to shout. Somebody said, well, how in the world does God give a message through some hypocrite? It wasn't because he wanted to. Could be because some good saint of God wouldn't let God have his way. God had a message to get across, so he went ahead and used a sinner to do it with. Say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I don't care what you believe. You're probably wrong about some other things. 
I guess if God could use a donkey, he could use a hypocrite. I guess if he could use a rooster, he could use a hypocrite. But it's a shame he has to. Woo. Somebody here a while back was griping about women preachers. You know what I told them? Told them some more of you fellas would get out to women wouldn't have to. If you think I'm going to let some hypocrite do my shouting, mm -mm. Brother Tenney, you've hit me on the shoulder two or three times tonight and told me to shout a little bit for you, man. I'm going to have to wait until some night when I ain't getting so much myself. I'm shouting for me tonight. <laughs> I'll get you another night. But oh, when I feel like I'm feeling, I ain't doing it for nobody but R.E. Johnson. And I love what I'm a feeling under this tabernacle tonight. You see, when I'm on that rock, I begin to get some vibrations from Jesus Christ, and I'm hearing what the Spirit is telling the church in these last days. Little lady stood right here today in the service. After Brother Spears got through preaching, Brother Glass let some of them testify. And she said, I was here at the campground or either on the way. And said, the Lord told me to get a certain scripture. And she said, I turned to that scripture. And it was such a blessing to me. And then Brother Spears got up and told about how he felt led of God to use a certain scripture. And that little lady come unglued. She said, oh, it was the same scripture that God gave to me. You know what it was? Both of them was on the same rock, and they was getting the same vibrations through that rock. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, what Jesus Christ is saying to the church through the rock Christ Jesus. One more little point. Brother Foss, you're an outdoorsman. You know a lot more about this than I do. But I remember back in the woods around Oakdale where we lived, we had a bunch of snakes. They'd call up and raise that head up and they'd stick that tongue out. Oh, I wish I had a long tongue so I could show you how it works. Let's stick that tongue out and wiggle it around. You know what? I could just picture Brother Gidrose ever saying, Oh, he's got a juicy leg. I don't know if snakes think or not, but that and what. <laughs> Man, I'd like to just grab a hunk of that calf of that leg. It's so juicy and greasy. And oh, if I could just get my fangs into that. He didn't have to bite me. Just shake his tongue at me. 
Because I thought that meant, boy, I'm going to get you. But you know what I found out in that encyclopedia? These encyclopedias are crazy. But that encyclopedia said that that snake wasn't giving you a warning. He was getting a warning. It said that when that snake stuck out his tongue, and the encyclopedia said this, that it is the most sensory part of the snake's body. And when he stuck out that tongue and began to wiggle it, he was picking up vibrations with his tongue that told him the environment around him and it warned him whether it was safe or dangerous. And he got it all through the wagging of his tongue and the vibrations that came through that tongue. And if he stuck that thing out and he got vibrations that it was dangerous, he took off. If it was all right, he just stayed there. Ugh. Why did God choose tongues? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's more to talking in tongues than selling a Honda. There's more to talking in tongues than Shikamoshai pass him on by. There's more to talking in tongues than just a bunch of jibber jabber. Scientists cannot explain it. Get me 1 Corinthians 14 2. Scientists cannot explain it. They cannot understand it. But they said it is so sensory that snake can tell by its vibrations whether it's safe or dangerous. And it moves him. Now, I'm going to call a name. I don't usually do this, but he said it and got in every paper in Dallas here a few years ago. But Dr. Criswell, <coughs> pastor of supposedly the largest Southern Baptist church in the world, he got up in Dallas and I have a tape of it in my library at home. He said that those that speak in tongues are essentially idiotic and divisive. Of course, he wasn't shooting at us. He is after the charismatics. He don't like them. <sighs> he said with his eloquent speech, we have gone to the Pentecostal meetings. We have made tape recordings of their gibberish. That's what he called it. Quote, unquote. He said we have sent them off to linguist experts. And none of them have been able 
to decipher what they're saying. Now, wasn't that a fantastic point for us? I said, for us. For us. Now, you just wait. You superintendent, but you wait a minute. I want this to sink in first. He's got his tongue out and he's getting some vibrations. Uh, this is good, so he's going to stay around for a while. So they tried to decipher him, but they couldn't get him deciphered. So they've concluded that there's nothing to it. That's the best proof that I've got that there is something to it. Brother Creel, get you a microphone, and I mean get in it. And turn him on, brother. Brown. Read. For he that speaketh. For he that speaketh. In an unknown tongue. In an unknown tongue. Now, listen. Some of them said, well, now that's in italics. That unknown is in italics. Take it out. Okay, let's take it out and see how it sounds. He that speaketh, he that speaketh in what? And tongue. And tongue. Now that don't, that's not even good English. And I don't know English. But that's not good. <clears throat> he that speaketh in an tongue. What does it say now, read? He that speaketh in an unknown tongue. In an tongue. I want to read it like that first. In an tongue. In an tongue. All right, read. Speaketh not unto men. So I'm speaking in an end tongue tonight. So I'm not talking to y'all. So quit listening. If I'm speaking in an end tongue, I'm not talking to a man. I'm talking to God. You see, it don't make sense. But when you take it like the good book said it, it makes sense. He that speaketh. In an unknown in tongue. In an unknown tongue. Speaketh not unto men. He's not talking to a man. But unto God. But he's talking to God. Get that tongue out and get some vibrations from the spirit world and let the Holy Ghost. Did you know that the Bible said, and they spake with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance as the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Are you ready to get the Holy Ghost right now? It's after 10 o'clock. It's Holy Ghost time. It's Holy Ghost time under this tabernacle. that wants the Holy Ghost come down here right now and stand in the front. If you want the Holy Ghost, come stand down here in the front right now. 